Whisper Nation, if you're listening to this on Spotify, that means you are getting another free preview of our week four matchup show. This is part one. But if you want to continue to listen to this beautiful, beautiful piece of content where we dive into every fantasy-relevant player in every single game, you're going to need to head on over to Patreon.com and subscribe to the Fantasy Whispers over there for either the $1 or $5 tier. And this is a deal of a lifetime you want to get over there. Patreon.com, search the Fantasy Whispers today. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's going on, Whisper Nation? It's Big Travi here and the rest of the Fantasy Whispers as we dive into our Week 4 matchup breakdown, Part 1, and we are going through every single fantasy-relevant player in every single matchup in Part 1 and in Part 2. I am your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at BigTraviTFW. And today I am joined, as always, by Austin Sear. Austin, ARC, the man in the tank top. You can find him. Over on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, how you doing, brother? I'm really excited for this slate of games, man. I'm doing great. Appreciate that. Yeah. And then on the other mic, we've got Johnny Game Time Hicks. You can find him over on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Johnny, how did your week three treat you? Well, Patty Mahomes was very, very fun to watch. I'll tell you that. Uh, but it was hit and miss. All that, that was also my week my week three (laughs) hit and miss seems to be the mo for fantasy football (laughs) and on the other mic uh the fourth and final member of our panel tonight is summy uh you can find him on twitter at summy tfw summy what's going on man chilling man just uh hanging in there super excited to jump into like austin said this slate of games i think week four is uh is a really good week to to dive into and i can't wait to give our listeners all the juicy insight yeah so if you come part don't just stop it right there, Summy. We all know what you're saying. You're so geeking out because you said, we finally have all this data. We finally all have <laughs> this data, and we can actually give awesome, awesome uh, back insight on why we come up with what we come up with on the show. So, Yeah, yeah the listeners definitely want to stay tuned right now because like, there's a lot of data heading your way, and it's going to help a lot in your start-sit decisions. And not only that, your rest of the season outlook for some of these players too. So stay tuned. Absolutely. If they gave out a doctorate of data, Summy would be one that held that certificate for sure. And we will dive into a lot of his juicy nuggets today. Uh, Before we get started, a little bit of piece of news here. Tennessee Tennessee and Minnesota uh, are under some COVID protocols right now. They're working from home, uh, not not participating in any in-person activity. And that's because there were a few COVID tests positive within the Tennessee organization. So monitor that closely. We'll discuss uh, both teams' games here, and, and Adam Schefter saying some games could be moved to Monday, some games could be moved from this week. So make sure you guys are paying attention to that, looking at the lineup, and staying with the Fantasy Whispers, liked and subscribed over to us over on YouTube, and we will give you all the information as it comes to us. Guys, before we get going, go for I it. I just want to say, keep in mind that, uh, listeners, we're actually recording this on Tuesday, so the news actually just broke this morning. So if anything changes, um, please, you know, Stay tuned with Adam Schefter, uh, you know, all those Ian Rappaport, all those major, major uh, uh, news breaking guys to to stay up to date on the information. You know, things could get flexed out. Games could get postponed or forfeited. We we don't know as of yet. So we'll try to provide the best, the best we can. Absolutely. And so before we get started and in getting into these matchups, guys, I wanted to start off like we do most shows with a little bit of uh, rest of season rankings on a few positions. 
Sami, I'm going to start with you. We look at the quarterback position. Quarterback six is Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback seven is Cam Newton. And quarterback eight is Matt Ryan. For the rest of the season, look, there's a lot of stories here. Cam Newton's rushing ability. Can he stay healthy? We've got Matt Ryan and and just a god-awful defense that allows him to throw for monumentous, uh, you know, proportions every week. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers, that bad, bad man on a revenge tour right now. So give me a ranking in these three guys, who you would like rest of season and why. Boy, this is tough because Aaron Rodgers has just been on a tear and it doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. And I'm really torn between Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton as, you know, my first option here. Um, I do think I'm going to take Cam Newton here, though. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, the rushing floor is there. Uh, he's getting the goal line opportunities uh, to score. You mean, I mean, he leads the team in rushing and rushing touchdowns. Uh, and I expect that to continue. Uh, sure, he did put up a dud game last week. But, you know, at the same time, his his ceiling is so high. We know what Cam Newton can do. Uh, whereas Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't really trust him to 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 sustain his level of production all season long. Um, it's impressive what he did without Devontae Adams last week. But, you know, still, I'll, I'll take Cam Newton over Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan will be last. I think I, I would agree with that just because of the rushing upside of Cam Newton. You, you pegged it pretty beautifully there. Austin, on the other side, we've got the running back position. We've got running back 10 is Austin Eckler. We've got running back 12 in Kareem Hunt and running back 14 in CEH. So the storyline here is, right, running back 10, Austin Eckler is sitting there with who knows what's going on at the quarterback position. Who knows if he's going to continue to get the receiving work we like him to see. Is he a sell high? You've got Kareem Hunt in a backfield that's split with Nick Chubb. He is the 1B but he's in a very voluminous uh, rushing attack. And then you've got CEH, the first-round pick in fantasy, who seems to be a little bit not so great in short yardage, but a, a great slasher and on a very high-powered offense. So rest of season, who are you taking here? Rest of season, I am going with CEH number one. I'm going with Austin Eckler number two and Kareem Hunt number three. And here's the breakdown on those three. CEH is someone who can benefit from all aspects of the running back position. He's going to be getting the ball between the tackles. He's going to be getting it on early down work, third down work. He hasn't been great on the goal line, but he still did get attempts on the goal line. So he's still a factor there. And I believe Andy Reid wants to have CEH be the guy as long as he's got enough breath in his lungs to be the guy on the field. Uh, He's also playing for arguably the best offense in the NFL, creating massive holes because that defense is never going to load the box, given how many weapons Kansas City has on their offense. My next choice was difficult between Eckler and Kareem Hunt. I believe that Kareem Hunt is the better all-around running back. I think he's one of the more explosive and elusive running backs in the NFL. Austin Eckler's not bad, but I don't think he's exactly on Kareem Hunt's level. However, the opportunity for Austin Eckler is superior to Kareem Hunt. Austin Eckler is getting, last week he had 11 targets thrown his way, and he's also pushing for 20 touches. So he's getting a ton of volume. Even with Josh Kelly over there, Austin Eckler's getting more touches on the ground, and he's getting more pass attempts through the air, which is not the same story for Kareem Hunt in in Cleveland, given Nick Chubb, who is running at a world-beater pace, Even with that 1A right there, Nick Chubb is locked down that job. Kareem Hunt, as good as he is, is not going to be taking the early down work away from Nick Chubb. And so Kareem Hunt's ceiling does have a cap on it. But what he's going to be able to do with those 10 to 15 touches, combinations of rushing and passing, uh, is going to be really, really good. So you can't go wrong with any of those three, but that's my order. Johnny, I wanted to kick it to you for the wide receiver position. And we've got a bunch of hamstrings in this one. I wanted to group it by hamstrings. So there is a variance in in the scoring here, but 
Devontae Adams is wide receiver 14, got a hamstring that kept him out of the last game. Julio Jones, same issue, hamstring, kept him out of his last game at wide receiver 53. And then coming back from a hamstring injury is Kenny Galladay at wide receiver 78. So there are questions in these offenses. There's questions with these players' hamstrings. But rest of season, who do you feel more confident with going forward? I might surprise a few people here um, with my answer, but I'm going to go with my number one choice here for the rest of the season would still be Devontae Adams. Uh, I think that they kind of figured that they had a good chance to win this game uh, without Devontae Adams, and it wasn't worth risking his uh, you know, injuring any further. So I believe that he will be back by this Sunday's game and uh, or sorry, this Monday's game. And it's against Atlanta where he will feast and pick up right where he left off. So Devontae Adams is number one for me. Uh, where it might vary from most people is I would actually rank uh, Kenny G second. And then uh, I would actually have Julio Jones third, which a lot of people might be freaking out and saying, how could you do this? Um, but when I'm looking at the situations, right, Kenny G is going to step in and he'll be the number one option, target option in that offense. And it's looking like they have desperately needed Kenny G back. Uh, you look at where Julio Jones is at and we have to say it like it. You have to call a spade a spade and say, I don't know where his touchdowns are going to come from. We've already seen it throughout his whole entire career, uh, lack of touchdowns. And then now you have even more people coming up. You have, you know, Gage. You also have Calvin Ridley who's taking like every single touchdown, it seems like. And then you also have Hayden Hurst in the passing game that Julio has to deal with. Uh, and so that's why I would put him third in this ranking. But I do still think that he'll finish top seven in the season. It's not to say I think he completely falls off it just in with these three guys that's how i would rank them well i thank you all for your input on our rest of season rankings i know the fans are probably appreciating it as, as we see people kind of placed in different spots together within you know three weeks worth of football as things change quickly we wanted to give you our rest of season outlook on a few players but that gets us started on our week four slate of games part one and the first one's a doozy if last week had a ton of great matchups for football fans this week is looking a little bleak, and it starts on Thursday night as the New York Jets host the Denver Broncos in a whopping 40-point over-under uh, with the New York Jets actually favored in this game. I had to double-take. Somebody told me they were favored, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, but the Jets are favored here in this 40-point over-under. And so, Austin, when we look at the Denver situation, what's piquing your interest from that higher-level view? Well, there's a, it's, it's easy to be sarcastic when it comes to this game. It's easy to make fun of a lot of these players that are going on. But I have to remind the audience, any given Sunday, these are professional athletes. And there or is no yeah. – or, or Thursday <laughs> or Monday or Tuesday, given the COVID yeah. world that's going on. Yeah. Any given week, uh, any one of these NFL players can play really good football. These are all professionals. So I wouldn't sell this game short. And we've got new players that we're looking at with Brett Rippon, who's going to be stepping in because of the injuries. Uh, Melvin Gordon should still uh, be leading the way as Philip Lindsay's getting right. Uh, we've got Jerry Judy, the rookie, who's now going to be leading the way with Cortland Sutton and his shoulder injury. And then Noah Fant, who has been a breakout tight end candidate, uh, done really well in the early starts to the season. So there's a lot of young talent that I'm excited to watch here, especially on the pass-catching side of the ball, specifically with Noah Fant and Jerry Judy. And, hey, let's see what uh, uh, Ripping can make happen. It's it's an opportunity for somebody to step up and become a household name. Johnny, how confident are you in Brett Ripping to get some of these guys going? 
not very confident. He, I mean, he came in at the end of uh, the game on Sunday, and he and he looked decent. He completed the vast majority of his, his throws, but at that time, you know, the game is kind of in hand. Also, he's a new quarterback coming in, so uh, I don't take a whole lot of water uh, or put a whole lot of uh, weight into what we saw in that game. This team, the Jets, will be prepared for this quarterback. And to be honest with you, I think this is going to be an ugly game. I I I give Austin props for saying, you know, uh, you got to give uh, credit where it's due. You know, these guys are professionals, and I do. They are professional athletes. Uh, but man, this is not much to get exciting here. You're starting Melvin Gordon as a flex option at best. You don't really like uh, too much after that. And then I think you can throw out all these wide receivers as wide receiver threes uh, or flex options. Uh, even Tim Patrick, uh, you look at what he's been able to have a, a TD connection uh with whatever quarterback is is throwing the ball. So if you have to take a dart throw uh, on him, not a bad option there. But I, the guy I would like the most or has the most upside for me on this side is not Jerry Judy. It would be KJ Hamler, who's seeing eight, uh, 6.5 yards per target, but he's getting 13 uh, yards per reception, which means he gets uh, he gets the ball in his hands and then he does work. He, he creates space and does magical things. So I like that uh, aspect of it. And Noah I mean, Fan, you're just smashing, dude. You, this is a, yeah, a no, for sure start. Yeah, like somebody, I was just going to bring up the fact that if if New York's number thirteen against the run, they're number thirty-two against the pass. So this would be the way to attack them. Somebody, are do you agree with Johnny that it's KJ Hamler the one you're you're having the most confidence starting of those three wide receivers? Yeah, it's not about the confidence, right? It's it's more about the upside that that's there. Mm-hmm. And KJ Hamler, we know his A dot's going to be up there. Um, you know, lower percentage plays, which doesn't give me the most confidence, especially with a third string quarterback in play. Uh, So I don't think he has the most upside uh, this week uh, or even next week, at least until Drew Locke gets back. Um, But I would take the shot on KJ Hamler over Tim Patrick, who's averaging less than one yard per route run. Uh, You know, he's, he's just a volume play at this point because this wide receiver course so banged up, but KJ Hamler is definitely the guy with the most upside. Austin, when we look to the home team, the New York Jets on the side of the ball, they are the favorites here. But for fantasy football purposes, is there anything you could be is that 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 that's peaks your eye here? Anything here that peaks my eye, the man acts. Well, we know that opportunity is king, and I expect Frank Gore to be getting a lot of opportunity. But like some he brought up last week, the man hasn't the, the, the man averages about as many yards per carry as age that he is. He's 37. He gets like 3.7 yards per carry, if that. I think that's going to keep going. We've got Braxton Berrios leading the way at the wide receiver position, given the injuries we're dealing with in Crowder and Rashad Perriman. Chris Herndon should be the one that we'd be looking towards, but under this Adam Gase system, it's been real dink and dunk, and nobody's getting unleashed. And I'm really trying to put a positive spin on this outlook here, and Adam Gase makes it difficult. Well, Johnny, Austin's not very confident in anything going on here, but there is a situation that we have to talk about, Braxton Berrios, and maybe Jameson Crowder if he can get back here. What is your confidence level in starting either of these? Because I would think the rest of the Jets' offense is a complete fade for us. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, if Crowder can give it a go, I'm still if he, he becomes a wide receiver three for sure or a flex option uh, because there we've seen Sam Darnold has to throw to somebody. 
um, but you're not confident in it. Like you're not excited to get someone like that in your lineup. But you know, Braxton Barrows has been, you know, the guy that Sam uh, had Sam Darnold has been looking for. He's been, uh, you know, seen two uh, twelve targets over the last two games. Uh, played the vast majority of the snaps, so uh, he is a. I just don't see the the high upside w- with any of these players, unfortunately, and that's why I tend to stay away. But uh, for a deep stash, I do want to mention before we move on because there's not a lot in this game. But a deep stash, one of those like, hey, just stick him on your bench because it's a Thursday night game. Uh, would be LaMichael P. Ryan. He actually saw a very close uh, amount of carries as Frank Gore, and we already know what Frank Gore is. We've seen it. Uh, most coaching staff is, staff would say, hey, let's get the rookie in there to see what he can do before you get uh, Le'Veon Bell back. But again, Adam Gase is the head coach of the Jets, and he I have no idea how he still has a job, so we'll see how that goes. All right, moving on to our next matchup in a much higher over-under, maybe a little more exciting, I'd say. Uh, 54 points in this over-under when Detroit hosts the New Orleans Saints. The underwhelming New Orleans Saints, you could say. New Orleans still favored in this one, though, by four points. Sami, when we look at that New Orleans side of the ball, I know you've been saying it for a few weeks, but really it's probably been a few years, and that's Drew Brees' arm. What are you seeing with him and the rest of this offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out. You know, uh, we were speaking last year, and I kind of said the same thing is – and even the year before that, I mean, Drew Brees towards the end of the year, his arm just looks like a noodle, and it's not good that it's st- that he started out this year exactly just like that, Travi. Noodle arm two point <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, listen, Drew Brees, he has I think the second fewest deep passing attempts in the league right now. Um, I think he only has two on the season. His A dot is the lowest amongst all starting quarterbacks. Um, he's without Michael Thomas. Hopefully, he gets him back this week. I think he could still do some damage with Michael Thomas back, but, you know, an Alvin Kamara screen pass that goes for 60 yards to the house is not going to happen every week. So you got to be concerned here. Where about is it? Brees. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't. It might just happen because Kamara is the RB1 on the season right now. And in hindsight, if you took him over Christian McCaffrey, like people would have called you stupid. But he's paying off and uh, he has the second most fantasy points by a running back ever scored within the first three weeks. So that's really impressive by itself. And I think, you know, that sustains because he's going to see the target market share. Um, So I'm really curious to see how this offense looks like after Michael Thomas comes back. Is it just kind of like, you know, back to back to business? Like, are they going to keep winning games or, you know, are they still going to struggle? So, I mean, you tell me, you tell me, uh, Travi. I mean, what do you what do you think about Drew Brees? Like, what do you feel about the offense? I think it's a popular thing to talk about Drew Brees noodle arm. You know, he's had the lowest wide uh, yards per attempt, uh, 7.3 since 2013. 2005 with the Chargers, but he still have has an adjusted completion percentage of 81.4, and he gets to throw to Alvin Kamara, like we just said. So you like that part of this offense. You like him getting uh, Michael Thomas back, and you like that Detroit is giving up 21.4 points to the QB, which is eighth most on the year. So I'm okay with you firing up Drew Brees here. I think that's actually a good spot for him, plus this monster over-under. You talked about Alvin Kamara, Sammy. He's the RB1 by 10 points right now. And then you get a Detroit team allowing 184 scrimmage yards per game to the running back. Uh, fire it up. It's, it's going to be great here, I think. And then we've got to talk about this wide receiving situation because we mentioned the average depth of target, the yards per attempt for, for Drew Brees. And that means Michael Thomas is sitting there coming back from this high ankle sprain in a spot to just smash on that market share because this is a guy who runs completely – monster or masterful slant routes the report from adam Schefter was that mt was eyeing a week four return he'd be likely to walk into that market share but if he can't go 
I actually do like Emmanuel Sanders in this matchup. Detroit has surrendered four touchdowns to the wide receiver position, and he had five red zone targets now after last week's game uh, on the year. So that's second behind only Alvin Kamara. Jared Cook would also get a nice bump for me if Michael Thomas were to not go because anybody not named Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook leads the team in market share if you're not Alvin Kamara. So I kind of like what I'm seeing there. But, Sammy, when we look to the Detroit side of the football, we're getting Kenny Galladay back. Does that mean that you can start to get excited about this offense? Yeah, I think Kenny Gall- I think Detroit's trending up. And people... You know, going into last week, people were a lot lower than them than they should have been. And, you know, I I was funny. I was chatting with my buddies and I told them, listen, last year Detroit tied with Arizona in week two or week three. And I feel like they have a real shot to beat them this year. And my buddy just looked at me and laughed. He's like, you're stupid. And lo and behold, look what happened. I mean, Detroit, they're they're a little bit more underrated. And I think they deserve a they little bit more credit. They won because Kyler threw the uh, intercepted through three interceptions. They didn't win that because they were the better team. Right. But why, did, but why did he throw those three interceptions? Because he got That's aggressive. He was aggressive with where he was going, throwing the ball. And he, he right. felt himself too much. Uh, so the reason why, yeah, absolutely, I totally agree with you there, Johnny. Um, he definitely got more aggressive, and that's something that you like to see coming out of Kyler, right? Because he's not really, he hasn't shown that aggressiveness. Like, he's just shown, like, he pulls a ball and he runs. So it's really good to see that he's trying to be aggressive and fit that ball into tight pockets. But I think the reason why he had to get aggressive is because uh, Detroit was playing a lot of contain. They, weren't, they wouldn't let him really run the ball outside the edges. So they were forcing him to pass it into tight spots. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of defense that that can adjust to that type of quarterback, it's a good sign coming from the defensive side of the ball in Detroit. So uh, if they can kind of clean up the defense, which is something you would hope to see with Matt Patricia as the head coach, then you're liking what you could see for more opportunities for the Detroit offense. I think some to your point there, Summy. If I look at Matt Stafford, he's coming off his cleanest game of the year, and he's facing a New Orleans team that just has been recently gouged through the air. We know they're a good run defense, and we figured they would be a good all-around defense, but right now their 29th-ranked pass defense is really hurting them. And so Stafford will come in here facing a team that, you know, only Dallas and Atlanta have given up more passing touchdowns through three games with eight. So you look at what you see in Stafford. You look at him getting Kenny Galladay back, who, you know, we were wondering if he would be limited. Kenny Galladay hitting on 73% of the team's snaps when he came back. We love that situation. But really, I think the big hard-hitting questions, and the questions we'll probably get the most in DMs, is about this backfield, right? You've got Adrian Peterson at age 35. He's got 43 carries through three games. That's number eight in the NFL. He's got 12 red zone rushing attempts. I know that New Orleans is still a tough rushing defense, but I don't mind flexing AP here because he's got touchdown upside. Like, if they can get the ball down into the red zone, he could fall into a touchdown here. If you look at the other guys, I'm not. I'm fading on Johnson. I don't think anybody would blame you there. But DeAndre Swift is a guy that we came into the season wanting more out of, and he's been relegated to a passing game work uh, with eight rushing attempts in three games. You've got on getting 18, 10 more rushing attempts, and then we mentioned AP, of course. I think you look at DeAndre Swift, you'd want that pass catching to get up, especially in PPR, but he's behind Amendola, Jones, Hawkinson, all of those guys in market share right now. And, you know, I just don't know if I can trust DeAndre Swift. I think he's a guy you can kind of move away from. TJ Hawkinson is the guy I'm really excited about outside of Kenny Galladay here. Oh, go for it, Johnny. Well, I I just – I don't think that people should – I mean, if you are 0-3, then, yeah, move what you can – and you need to pick someone up, uh, then, yeah, I would trade or or get away from DeAndre Swift. But 
we have to look at this whole situation in in reality as for what it is. And one, we know that they got lucky that they that they beat the Arizona Cardinals like they did. We'll give them credit. But Matt Patricia is one of the his whole thing is defense. He has one of the worst defenses in the league. You look at Detroit's schedule over the next four weeks. They play uh, Jacksonville. Okay, they can win that one. Atlanta, Indy, and Minnesota. Okay, if they if they don't win three of those four games, Matt Patricia's fired. So what happens when Matt Patricia gets fired? Well, the offensive coordinator is going to take over. And what does he like to do? He likes to pass the ball. Well, who would at that point? Why would they keep Adrian Peterson around? They don't. They don't. They know what they have in them. Carry uh, on Johnson, we know. So then they would want to get carry, uh, Swift the ball. And just like last year, I talked about it. Miles Sanders last year, how did he start the year? He had 3.2 fantasy points, 5.2 fantasy points, and then 10.6 fantasy points through the first three weeks. DeAndre Swift has outscored him in two of those three weeks for the, for the first rookie year. We weren't saying cut Miles Sanders last year. We're not saying uh, to cut DeAndre Swift if you do that. I, I am I am saying I think you can cut DeAndre Swift. I like your points. I love the context here, Johnny. I think you're making good points. But Daryl Bevel is the OC, and somebody's talked about how Daryl Bevel loves Adrian Peterson and would probably still lean on Adrian Peterson. And he doesn't necessarily love to throw the ball. He just started throwing the ball more voluminous with Matt Stafford. So I think it could happen. But I really like what I saw out of TJ Hawkinson here. If you're going to keep one of these guys, and TJ Hawkinson was maybe a guy you were looking at getting away from, TJ Hawkinson played 82% of his snaps in week three. So he is ramping up and he holds the lead of market share on this team. Now, obviously Kenny Galladay was gone, but that's 16% market share. And for this specific matchup, I really like Hawkinson a lot because you look at the way Green Bay killed New Orleans on that play action tight end bootleg last week. And I think it could be right there for TJ Hawkinson again this week. I'm really excited about his matchup in this one. one Moving thing I on. Just want- I just yeah, want to add on one thing. I think, uh, you know, if you're like a James Conner owner and you're kind of like worried about the Steelers game, for example, or, you know, let's say you, you just, you're just in need of running backs. If you have Latavius Murray on your bench, I think Latavius Murray is a very sneaky start this week. Um, you know, New Orleans could very well get out ahead of Detroit. And Latavius Murray has just two less red zone rushing attempts than Alvin Kamara. He's still getting some work. And I think with Detroit giving up the most EPA per rush attempt uh, in the league to running backs, I think Latavius Murray is also, you know, he could find the end zone once or twice as well himself. So don't worry about starting Latavius Murray if you're in a pinch. I don't. Yeah, I, I guess I'll give you that one. I I just didn't see it last week with Arizona. They had the same kind of opportunity for Edmonds to get more involved. And I think actually Detroit is keeping around with teams that, that maybe they shouldn't. And New, on the other hand, New Orleans is giving up to teams that they probably shouldn't um, a lot more. So I, 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 I would have a little my- bit more. I just I just feel like having Michael Thomas back is is it's going to make a that huge difference. You know, yeah, they, for they sure. Have him back. Hopefully they do get him back. All right, moving on to the next game, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a forty-three and a half point over/under as we record this game. The spread is seven and a half, favoring the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When we look at this game, Johnny, we've got a bunch of things going on at the quarterback position, but that affects the other parts of this offense. So what are you looking for mostly with the higher level view here? Uh, I'm looking for, wait, I'm sorry. Are we on, on LA chargers or Tampa Bay? Chargers. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you said New Orleans Saints. I thought you said, no, no, 
Um, when I'm when I'm looking at uh, the overview here for the LA Chargers, obviously Herbert is supposed to still be the quarterback there. So, what is his continuous in, uh, in involvement with this wide receiver core? We've we've seen the uptick for Austin Eckler and guys like Keenan Allen. Will that continue, uh, or is this going to be a thing where he starts to get more comfortable and more involved with guys like uh, Mike Evans in, in this offense? Uh, so that's a major thing. And my ma- my other thing is, like, is now the time to sell high on Austin Eckler? He's had back-to-back good weeks. Um, you know, you have the rumblings with Joshua Kelly as potentially taking the goal line work. Where your Where's the thought process uh, for this, Austin, as far as this background or uh, running back situation goes? I think that the running back situation is what this team is really going to be built around and I would be feeling pretty good about Austin Eckler and now if you could sell on Austin Eckler right now and get a premium on him anytime you can get a premium dealing out a player I'd say go for it even if that player is an elite player like what would you accept for Austin Eckler right now if someone if someone offers you a trade if I offered you let's say um DJ Chark and yeah, no. DJ Chark and like another like wide receiver three or like a running back three. I, I it would have to be a wide or excuse me a running back that has some legit upside that's coming okay. along with it. I think that Austin Eckler is going to be getting involved in a lot of places around the field. Josh and I'm somebody who was really opposed to to Austin Eckler coming into the season, but Justin Herbert I believe really benefits Austin Eckler. When we look at what Justin Herbert is doing, this is going to relate to the halfbacks. I mean, Justin Herbert, he's throwing the ball down the field at a decent clip, 10 attempts um, in the last two games, but he's only completed three of those deep ball attempts, um, which is a really low percentage. Uh, He's at 4.7 completed air yards per attempt. That's number 29 in the league. Uh, To me, suggests a dink and dunk type of style. Uh, Now, he's still pushing 320 yards per game, which is nice. Not a good dink and dunk, and he's got a couple of good dink and dunk players there in Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen who the latter there has been absolutely feasting since it came in. We're talking 29 targets over the last two games. Last week alone, Keenan Allen had 19 targets, 13 grabs on those 19 targets for 132 yards and a touchdown. Big Mike Williams, I was a big fan of the man coming into this season, but he's a deep threat. And as we just mentioned, Justin Herbert is not right now a deep ball thrower. Um, And so Mike Williams last week, one for one on 17 yards. He's got a hamstring issue right now. I think Keenan Allen is going to be continued to lean on. I think that Austin Eckler is going to be continued to lean on. And Joshua Kelly is a nice play, but I'm not concerned right now with his sub four yards per carry with Joshua Kelly's number 49 on elusivity rank uh, coming from pro football focus elite stats. Um, And his target attempts have just been disappointing. Zero week one, zero week two, two last week compared to Austin Eckler's uh, targets at one, four and 11 last week. Um, he hasn't carried the ball uh, more per average than Eckler. And I don't think that's going to continue either. So I'm feeling all right about Eckler. I'm feeling all right there. And then the last piece person to mention here, another benefit of the Justin Herbert play style is Hunter Henry. Uh, last week, he went seven for 50, 15 targets the last two weeks. Uh, he's number two on the team in targets tied with uh, right there with Austin Eckler, um, but Keenan Allen's leading the show. So, um, firing up uh, a lot of these players pausing though on Mike Williams and Josh Kelly would be, if you have to start him, you can, you can feel okay, but I'm not super excited about it. 
Johnny, is most of your concern and your, your want to trade away Eckler at this point and sell high based on what you think Joshua Kelly is or your lack of faith in Justin Herbert? Can you kind of frame what you're thinking with Austin Eckler there? Well, yeah, it's just my, my concern is like I, I, the coaching staff has definitely voiced that they want to uh, keep getting Joshua Kelly involved. They like him as a running back, and uh, he actually has been producing pretty well for, uh, for a rookie running back. So my concern is that it limits the upside of Austin Eckler, and I understand in uh, you know certain game strips – could determine whether Eckler gets more play, like in this one, uh, where it, they were, you know, needing to pass more. They they were behind, uh, which was kind of a surprise. But I think in run heavy games or games where they're favored, uh, which wouldn't indicate in this situation. Obviously, I think Tampa Bay is probably going to win this game. Uh, but in games where the the game script could be positive, I think you, you'll see Joshua Kelly get the bulk of the carries, and that's where my concern is. I just think it limits his upside. Do you think Austin Eckler is a game script dependent back that will be have to be in games where they're not favored? Yeah. So, like, for example, if I could go – somebody was asking what, what would you do. If I could go to the Kenyon Drake owner and uh, or whoever rosters Kenyon Drake and I could trade Eckler straight up for Drake, I would do that. That and uh, – I mean, Johnny, one other point I just wanted to add is, you know, Anthony Lynn came out and said – he criticized Justin Herbert after that first game where he looked good. And he said, listen, Tyrod's still our starter when he's healthy. Like I'm going to put right. him back in. So like we see this offense take a step up in terms of like target share for Keenan Allen, like Austin Eckler getting 11 targets last week. Like that happened with Herbert. That didn't happen with Tyrod. So if they go back to Tyrod, like you're back with like an RB three in Austin Eckler. And it's just like, you're stuck with him all season and you, mm. you missed your opportunity to sell high. So the situation's kind of muddled and that's kind of what's making me want to sell Eckler because if Tyrod comes in, I mean, I'm not excited about this offense at all. And I want one to guy you to probably Summies. wouldn't sell. Oh yeah, go for I, it. I, I want us to mention one thing on Summy's point because that's a really, really good point. And I think it's important that when we look at this personnel dynamic, specifically with Terod Taylor, Justin Herbert, and Anthony Lynn, who's ultimately going to make this decision, it's important to look at how this ended up happening. Um, Anthony Lynn is not oblivious to the fact of where Terod Taylor's status in the NFL is and the opportunity that he was given right now with a good offensive team in front of him with the chargers and then to have a medical doctor a guy you trust to help you get right before you put your body on the line for the team does you so dirty that it could take you off the field for potentially for the, potentially the rest of your career right i don't think anthony lynn is going to allow that to happen i think that anthony lynn is sincere when he says this is still tarod's team and unless justin herbert can do something really crazy tarod taylor is going to get that job back just because it's the right thing to do and it's such a dirty thing to go the opposite direction on it. I think that if Terod Taylor is not good for Austin Eckler, you should expect Terod Taylor to be getting the starting job back, at least temporarily. Make your decisions on Austin Eckler as such. Johnny, when we look at the Tampa Bay side of the football, what are some of the biggest things that you're looking out for? Because this is an offense that was supposed to be God sent and lead us to a Super Bowl if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. But what, what are you seeing right now? Well, I'm seeing a split backfield. Uh, and every single week we say that we should, in theory, start this guy, and it ends up being a different guy. Uh, I'm also seeing Gronk uh, was actually used in the passing game, so that's a little bit interesting there. Uh, is it here to stay, or is he here to block uh, as an offensive lineman? I don't know. Uh, and then my third one is the, the Chris Godwin. What is that injury going to do to this offense? Uh, and so I want to ask Austin, uh, 
he did a, a very nice deep dive in. So my question to you, are you starting Uncle Lenny? Are you starting Ronald Jones? What about Tom Brady? Actually had a decent game last week, uh, you know, throwing the ball that two one-yard touchdowns to Mike Evans for some reason. I don't know. I'm not bitter or anything. Uh, but, yeah, so that's my question. Do you see Mike Evans uh, becoming more involved in this offense? I do see Mike Evans becoming more involved in this offense. I think that it's an issue of the team gelling, coming together and developing that chemistry. Tom Brady is a 40-year-old quarterback playing for the first new team he's ever had. Bruce Arians has a new quarterback. They're working this system together. I'm really excited for the Tampa Bay players, and I think that you should be as well. It's It's got some question marks, though. Like Tom Brady, I would feel all right starting Tom Brady this week. Um, they're going up against, as we said, the Chargers. Uh, it's going to be the number 13 ranked pass defense, which isn't great. But Tom Brady's getting Mike Evans and Scotty Miller. And I think he's going to be able to use them really well this week. Mike Evans looking at four red zone targets. I think we see a couple more. I think they're going to connect. I think this week Mike Evans catches a touchdown pass from Tom Brady, um, who's been throwing the ball deep down pretty good. Um, he's tied for number two in deep ball completions over the last two weeks uh, with six. Um, tied number four in attempts. So he's he's going for it, and he's completing That doesn't make it any sense, a- though. I thought Tom Brady was like a dink and dunk passer, you know, three yards on the field. It's a weird counterintuitive <laughs> narrative, right? Like the guy actually throws the ball down the field more often than you'd expect, and he's actually pretty efficient at it, a lot more than his counterpart on the other side of the field in Justin Herbert right now through a couple of through a few games. And Mike Evans is going to feast on that. And then on the dink and dunk side, Scotty Miller is going to be coming in uh, five or five targets last week, three catches, 83 yards. It's one of those plays. He's not going to be a world beater. He's not going to uh, probably win you your matchup, but he could be someone you could plug in, probably still available. And it's going to keep a hole from forming on your team. In terms of the tight ends, like Johnny mentioned, Gronkowski came out. He was catching some passes, but so was OJ Howard. I think if you had to start one of these guys, there's probably a better tight end option available. But both of them are it's it's hard to say right now which is the go-to given eight targets in the last two weeks for Gronk, seven targets for OJ Howard. Um, they finished 48 yards and 49 yards last week. Uh three red zone, excuse me, two red zone targets last week, and then three red zone targets for OJ Howard. They're really close. Um, I would be looking another direction if you're looking for a tight end. Um, keep an eye out for Chris Godwin. His hamstring is making him doubtful uh, for this week. Just one thing. I, I just want just two things, actually, I just want to add on. Uh, number one, Chris Harris. Uh, they're losing Chris Harris. Um, I think he fractured his foot. So his defense gets a little bit softer as well, uh, the secondary. Um, so that's also a tick up for the pass catchers and Brady as well this week. Mm-hmm. And as far as like the tight ends go, like I, I really like personally, I really like OJ Howard this week. Um, he has the softest matchup when it comes to tight ends. He's going to be matched up against Kaiser White, who's allowed uh, 83% completion percentage, uh, 1.31 yards per route run. I think if O.J. Howard can see the volume, you know, we saw Brady go into O.J. Howard all all season so far, and uh, I think that well, that's, Gronk- what I, that's what I got to ask, Sonny, because you're, you're saying O.J. Howard here, but what gives you so much confidence that it's O.J. Howard over Gronk? Because now, you know, like we pointed out here, Gronk eight targets over the last two weeks. O.J. Howard, seven targets over the last two weeks. So do, isn't it looking like it, they cap each other's upside here? No, because I truly believe that last week was really just like Bruce Arians trying to be sneaky. I think they, I think he, like that was a full plan. Like, hey, Gronk, go out there, tell the media you're a pass, you're, 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 you're blocking tight end, you know, <laughs> go do that. Like we know Arians kind of messes with people. I think the true value that Gronk provides is still that run blocking, right? Like they, 
Tampa Bay, I think, let me just double check here, but Tampa Bay, I believe, um, if I can just pull up this data here, Tampa Bay has the sixth best run blocking O-line and Gronk adding to that just helps, you know, boost the value of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I think they value him as a, as a, uh, as a run blocker. I really do think OJ Howard is the primary tight end here. Uh, he's more athletic at this point in his career, uh, than Gronk is. And I, Listen, I, I like O.J. Howard. If you lost like a Goddard and O.J. Howard is on your waivers, I would recommend picking him up. Uh, as like The a, answer here is Mo Alley-Cox. If, if he's on your waivers, you go pick Mo, Mo Alley-Cox up. But uh, I like the perspective there, Summy. We're moving on to the next game, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a 48-point over-under with, uh, I believe, Cincinnati is favored in this. Is that right? Yeah. Over here? Yeah, it's Cincinnati. Yeah, by three. Cincinnati's favored by three. It's basically a pick 'em. They're getting the edge because they're at home. When we look at the Jacksonville side here, Sammy, we've got Minshew looking for a rebound. We had James Robinson get it in, introduced to the world on Thursday night prime time as really the only thing on offense you liked out of Jacksonville last week. And then we we saw DJ Shark miss the game last Thursday. We're hoping that he gets back into the the fold here because he is a big part of this offense, and we saw how it affected Minshew. So, Sammy, are you confident that Jacksonville can get it back going here, or do you think Jacksonville is just one of those teams we're never going to be able to peg what they can do on offense? No, I think, uh, I think, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like they can be predictable uh, if we know what the defensive side of the ball is going to be doing, right? Um, and by defensive side, I mean the opposing team. Um, like, if you look last week, right, like Miami adjusted really well to what Gardner uh, is weak at. And what Gardner's weak at is he's hesitant to throw the ball down the field. And if his pass catchers are covered, he's not going to throw into tight coverage. And he's going to scramble and he's going to take sacks. So we saw that kind of come into play last week against Miami. And this week against Cincinnati, I mean, listen, Cincinnati, they're a lot better in the secondary than people think. Uh, they're actually the third best uh, secondary coverage unit um, in all the NFL, surprisingly. You know, Darius Phillips, he's been improving every single game. William Jackson and Darius Phillips, they actually have allowed less than one yard per route run on all of their coverage snaps. The addition of Mackenzie Alexander has been huge for this secondary. Uh, but the one part, you know, that does give me a little bit of hope with Minshew is that Cincinnati actually ranks 31st in pass rush. So there is some hope for a decent bounce back game from Minshew. But DJ Shark has to be in the lineup for that to happen, right? Like we saw Chris Conley. He was he was dropping balls left and right. Uh, the chemistry is just not there between him and Gardner. So I think if Chris Conley plays, Gardner is like a fringe streaming option. I wouldn't drop him because his schedule does, you know, it gets easier as the coming weeks come with Houston, Detroit, and then a bye, and then Chargers after that. So not the toughest of schedules, but um, this week I, I do feel like it might be a continuation of last week where he might disappoint. So I wouldn't recommend him as a streamer uh, if DJ Chark is out. So that's the, that's the big caveat here. Shark's out. You can't really roll with Minshew, but if he's in – you like firing him up here. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it firing it up. I'd call it tempering expectations and slowly <laughs> dipping your toe in the water. You know, seeing if it's warm. Fair enough. Maybe more water than fire in this one. Going yeah. on the other side of the ball, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals. They're the home team here. And we've got Joe Burrow, big D Joe, uh, out there slinging the ball around. Just pass attempts out the wazoo here. We've got Joe Mixon, and the concern with Joe Mixon is real between those that have him. But he is still seeing – somewhat bell cow usage within this offense and then you've got the pass catchers which is just kind of a jumbled mix of 
A.J. Green's volume but not being very good. Tyler Boyd needing garbage time to really make your games. And then T. Higgins coming alive last week. Summy, is there anything you can peg down here? Are you excited about the Bengals? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm excited for the Bengals. Joe Burrow looks legit. Uh, I like him a lot for this franchise. And, you know, we'll, we'll cover the Bengals right now, and we'll go back to the, the Jacksonville skill position, like running backs and wide receivers as well. well. We'll give you guys some start set advice on those guys as well. But uh, with Joe Burrow, I mean, listen, he's on pace to be the most second most sacked quarterback uh, behind David Carr. He's on pace for 75 sacks. David Carr got sacked 76 times. So that's also dangerous, I mean, for a development of a young QB. Uh, we expected this O-line to be a little bit more improved. But, you know, uh, I truly believe stacks are a QB stat. So I think that'll improve. I mean, last week, if you look, uh, Philly sacked him, I think, eight times last week. Yeah. That's no surprise because Philly's actually ranked second in terms of pass rush right behind uh, Pittsburgh. You know, they have Fletcher Cox. They have all those. They have that big D-line over there. So um, if Joe Burrow can can have a little bit more pocket awareness and, and kind of avoid some of these sacks, I think he's just going to continue to keep ben- getting better. He's QB 10 on the season right now, averaging 21 points per game. Jacksonville allows the six most fantasy points to QBs at 22.8. So I think he's an excellent streaming option this week. And I think, you know, he's not even a streamer. I think you can start him every week. He's uh, His passing volume is going to sustain. Owned in 71% of Yahoo leagues. Are you firing up Joe Burrow with more confidence than Gardner Minshew? Because I know Minshew was one of your favorite yeah. late-round guys. Yeah. It, this matchup, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put uh, uh, Minshew outside the top 12, and then Gar- I'm going to put Burrow inside the top 10, honestly. You have told me, uh, well, you told me at least against Cleveland you were concerned about Joe Mixon, but what is your uh, thermometer level, your panic meter on Joe Mixon now, and specifically in this matchup? Yeah, like I was just looking at the data here, Travi, and like it just looks like over the last two years with uh, um, uh, their their new head coach, he's just become very game script dependent, right? Like, so he's RB38 on the season. 79% 79% of his fantasy points have actually come from just his rushing yardage because he's not being targeted and he hasn't found pay dirt yet. Um, he has nine targets versus Gio Bernard's 15. Um, he has the second toughest rushing strength to schedule for the rest of the season. The reason why I wouldn't be too worried is because, listen, he's getting the volume, right? And we know that volume leads to production eventually. Like, it's going to balance out. Uh, we saw what Joe Mixon did last year, start off really slow, had a... Uh, just fire burning, you know, later half of the season. I think that that could happen again. You know, we see that uh, Joe Mixon's received six red zone rushing attempts versus Geo's one. So I think, you know, if they get down there, that Joe Mixon's their guy. Um, again, volume will produce results. I would recommend if you're a Joe Mixon owner, just hang tight. Um, keep listening to this, to, to our matchup show. I mean, if you guys heard week two matchup show, I, I kind of tempered expectations for Joe Mixon and, I'm a Joe Mixon owner as well in a couple leagues. You know, I have a lot of equity in him, and I recommended sitting him, which I did. Um, and, you know, I got out of that one unscathed, but, you know, you might not have the uh, the luxury to do that. But stick You're with Joe Mixon. Cajones. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, might exactly. not have the cojones to do that. No, uh, I want to ask <laughs> you, though, would you, Johnny, would you trade Austin Eckler to get Joe Mixon? I'm not sure I would. I just don't like the schedule ahead for Joe Mixon. That's the whole thing. I don't know if he can turn it around based off the schedule. Um, but he is getting the usage. I don't know if I would do that. I think that's like a lateral move, and I think you're going from one sticky Makes. situation to another. So, I mean, when we look at the wide receivers, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit at the top. It's kind of a jumbled mess here. Do you have anything to provide Whisper Nation here from what you're seeing out of this wide receiving core? Oh, boy, do I. Let's go. All right, so A.J. <laughs> Green, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. 
Uh, so AJ Green, listen, he leads the league in air yards by a mile. He has 338 air yards on the year. The second is Deshaun Jackson with 282. So he has a whole 56 air yards more than the, than the number two wide receiver. He's 13th in average up to target, 15.4 yards down the field. But he's just been really inefficient, right? Like, he just can't get separation. He's not producing. And a lot of people would indicate that, hey, listen, he's leading the league in air yards. He's bound to pop. I don't buy it, though, because he just can't come down with any catches. And we saw this offense last week. It shifted. It, you know, the, the target distribution shifted. We saw Tyler Boyd get more targets. We saw T. Higgins get more involved. And I think they're realizing that, hey, we're just wasting drives targeting A.J. Green, whereas we could be going to other playmakers and we could be moving the chains a little bit more often. So you saw if, T. Higgins get more involved last year or last week. He had more snaps than yeah. A.J. Green. Uh, because, yeah, I think because of that. Hundred percent. I I totally I totally believe that, and I think you know Tyler Boyd as well. Like if you look, I'll, I'll go into his his target distribution in a second. But listen, with AJ Green, if you if you can sell him, if you have someone in your league that's still high on him, that still expects a bounce back, sell him now. You don't want this headache for the rest of the year. All right. I know there's a voluminous pass volume uh, passing attack, but I want nothing to do with a a, um, a post thirty year old wide receiver who's had nothing but injuries for the last two years and. You know, he hasn't played football in a year and a half, two years, and it's just like it's showing on the field. And on top of that, I mean, if he can't produce against Trey Herndon this week, you know, the cell window is going to close shut and you won't be able to get anything for him in return. Um, As far as Tyler Boyd goes, Johnny, to speak to your point, uh, so Tyler Boyd last week, he saw 13 targets and 44 attempts. But the reason I was concerned for him in week two is because on 61 attempts, he only saw eight targets and 13 of them went to A.J. Green, you know? So I think this offense learned hey, we need to target Tyler Boyd a little bit more. So that's encouraging to see. Uh, and I think that continues. And especially this week, I mean, he's going up against DJ Hayden uh, in the slot. DJ Hayden has let up 92% catch catch percentage, which is second most amongst cornerbacks with 30 or more coverage snaps. He's uh, D, uh, DJ Hayden's also let up 2.17 yards per route run, which is fifth most amongst all cornerbacks and third most amongst all nickel cornerbacks. So really juicy matchup with Tyler Boyd this week. And then T. Higgins as well. You know, I think the breakout is real. I think T. Higgins was one of the most pro-ready prospects coming out in this wide receiver class. And, uh, you know, we see that translating to the field. He's second on the team uh, amongst the wide receivers in red zone targets with four of them. He saw three of them last week and he converted two. So we see this guy, he can make plays and I think they're going to continue to trust him and he's going to continue to get more involved. I love him as a waiver wire target this week to replace A.J. Green. Are you starting any of these guys with confidence, Sammy? Tyler Boyd. 100%. Okay. And then on the wide receiving core for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I did just want to go back so you get one uh, run through here quickly of that wide receiving core for Jacksonville. Yeah. So Jacksonville, I mean, Cincinnati's allowed the third least fantasy points to wide receivers, 22.7 per game. And again, I said at the top of this matchup breakdown, Cincinnati actually ranks third best in terms of pass coverage unit. Um, You know, DJ Chark, if he's healthy, you're starting him. You just have to. Yeah. His draft capital warrants it. Uh, that's without a question. Keelan Cole, however, you know, he was disappointing last week. So some people might be considering like, hey, do I drop this guy? You know, I picked him up off of waivers. Is he worth me keeping him keeping him on my team? I would say, yeah, uh, don't drop him just yet. You know, he has the softest matchup amongst all the Jacksonville wide receivers this week against Mackenzie Alexander. And I think there's a game where, you know, he could bounce back a little bit. Uh, just to kind of speak to Mackenzie Alexander, the nickel corner back there in the slot. He's allowed 86% catch percentage. He's allowed 1.47 yards per route run, which is ninth most amongst all slot cornerbacks. So I like Keelan Cole this week. 
Uh, and if Chark is back this week, you know, Conley, he goes back to Chris Conley. He goes back to irre- irrelevance. I'm not looking to start him, especially after last week. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, though, you know, he's interesting because he's second amongst Jacksonville wide receivers in terms of snap percentage. His role is growing. His targets have been increasing. And, uh, you know, this might not might not be the best spot for him this week, but I think he's definitely a hold. Keep, you know, hang on to him. I think he's going to continue to get more involved, especially with those rushing attempts. Uh, if he starts getting some goal line rushing attempts, that's going to be really juicy. Johnny, do you agree with Summy and, and, and a lot of fantasy football Twitter that James Robinson is locked into your lineup, especially this week? Yeah, I definitely to believe uh, it now. Well, I, I mean, it's not. I, I never said I wasn't a believer in his talent. I think he's a good talent, but I do see that this is his workload. He had the best game last week. That's the best game. I would trade him, and that's my honest opinion. His next three weeks are great. He has a great matchup. Uh, again, uh, Houston, Detroit, and then by, and then the LA Chargers. Those are great, great games. But then after that, it gets real brutal, and you're adding players as well onto that. And and so I would trade him now while the the stove is hot. You know, that's uh, right. I just wanted to kind of just really quickly just bring this up because I saw this on Twitter. Uh, this is a really interesting conversation. I think we need to have with uh, our listeners as well. We're always concerned about buying low, selling high, where we forget the point of fantasy football is winning. It's not winning trades. It's winning, right? If you have a guy that's producing that you picked up before week one off the waiver for completely free, and he's an RB2 every single week, especially with the COVID situation going on right now, especially with all the injuries to star running backs, listen, if you have James Robinson don't trade him. Like I, I would give you the opposite advice of Johnny. Like I'm, I'm on the opposite side of the fence. It's like, listen, you so got you're saying free. you're saying if someone came to you and said, "I'll trade you Austin Eckler right now for Jay, for Robinson," you'd say no. Well, that depends, right? Well, so, no. Like, so that's like, what we're throwing out. That's what we have to say. We have to say they're not getting nothing. I'm not saying go and give them away. It's saying that like people are going to legit say that this guy has been performing. He's a an RB one right now, an RB two. I will legit give you something in return. I'm going to say yes, take that. Even Austin okay. Eckler, who I'm not a fan of, but I'll take Austin Eckler over James Robinson the rest of the year. For sure. But the only reason I'm saying is like be hesitant to trade him is because listen, his his advanced metrics are popping as well, right? He's 12th in terms of yards after contact per attempt, 3.42. Um, you know, he's right behind Clyde Edward. But they Edwards haven't faced Hilaire. anyone difficult. You can't throw out these things when the I understand, like, he's looked good, yes. But there are a lot of factors that are being indica- or are being thrown in right in, now in that absolutely. are not going to be that way moving forward, and that's what I'm saying. We, you need to proceed with call. We can't I just say that to- for sure. Like, we're expecting sure. Armstead and Zigbo to come in and eat at that market share. But what if they come in and do exactly what Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland have done for James Conner, and that's be real actual spells? And then James Robinson, if he comes in and still has 55% of the market share, and he's still getting 15-plus touches, and he's still producing at an efficient clip, it's not really going to matter how many other backfield members that they have if he's still getting the majority of the work and performing at a similar level that he is right now. History would tell us that Jay Gruden loves a workhorse running back, and he, you know, that's that's exactly how he runs his offense. So he's found his guy. I I do feel like, and Johnny, you said that they've never they haven't played anyone difficult. They actually played Indy. I mean, like Indy's a pretty tough rushing defense there. Tennessee won when no one knew about James Robinson. No one knew about it. No, no, but no, no, but I'm saying this in context of what you said. You said they haven't faced anyone difficult. I'm saying that they have actually, and James Robinson has still performed. Um, listen, 
He at got the same time. Wait, hold on, hold on. But then, if you really want to bring that up, you're saying the reason he played so well, he got 100 percent of the snaps. Did he get 100 percent of the snaps last week? How about the week before? No. The answer is no. And so he's he he's a diminishing snaps. product. He's a diminishing product who hasn't faced the most difficult schedule yet. And then you're saying don't trade him because they got him for free. When I can tell you that people are off are saying, hey, I got offered Austin Eckler for James Robinson. Do I do it? Hey, if I got offered I Chris same- Carson for James Robinson, would you do that? Yes, I would. Like it, yeah. Of course, no, I'm not going to give him. It all depends on context. There. I mean, listen, if you're getting a yeah, Chris Carson, that, I like think, I, I would take Chris Carson over James Robinson I think, for sure. Yeah, and I think to both your guys' point, you're both right in a sense here, right? Like somebody's just saying, don't overreact and trade all the way. And Johnny's saying, make sure you get value for guys that are diminishing products. Um, I let, I'll let you guys have it at it a little where I think Whisper Nation is going to appreciate that breakdown. And the James Robinson debate lives on for at least another week between Summy and Johnny. No, it'll so live on it. for three more <laughs> weeks because it'll do well for three I tweeted on September 4th. You can go on at Summy TFW. I tweeted on September 4th before the season started. I projected James Robinson to be a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for the entire season. I'm still firmly standing by that, and I think he's going to provide season-long value. That's why I wouldn't say trade him. All right, going to our next game, we have the Houston Texans hopefully hosting the Minnesota Vikings here in a 54-point over-under. As of this recording, this game is on schedule, but the NFL has said that they may move this game if they have to. They could move it to Monday. We could see it moved off the schedule to maybe later in the year. Uh, Just keep uh, on, as Summy has said, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, and understand what could happen in this one. So 54 point over under. You've got Houston favored by three and a half points. You like the over under here. When we're taking a look at, you know, what's going on in the Minnesota offense, it hasn't been a lot, but there was some some juicy stuff happening last week. Summy, what is your take on what QBX got going for this Minnesota squad? Man, Justin Jefferson. Like, look at that, right? Involvement. Like, Inefficient offense, um, they just – listen, they're going to be competitive, though, because, like, Kirk Cousins, he's 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 not as bad as he seems right now. <laughs> I know there's not a hill that I want to die on, right? But Kirk Cousins, like, we know what he can do. Like, we know what he's done. We know what he is. We can we know what we can, what we can expect. Um, I understand, you know, his pass-catching options are limited, but Justin Jefferson came out strong last week, and he kind of introduced himself to the, to the world. Um the running game, you know, we saw Dalvin Cook kind of pick up speed last week as well. So I think this offense, as the season goes on, it's going to get better. And I think they're going to be competitive with a lot of teams that they face. But uh, there's fantasy value to be had here. Um, it's just going to be through two guys, I think, Thielen and Cook. That's about it. Yeah, so so we know we're locking Thielen and Cook in, right, Johnny? Is there anything else to be had? Do you buy the Justin Jefferson breakout here? I mean, you're going to throw him on your bench. Uh, I like him as a waiver wire stash. Uh, we've seen that Diggs uh, could produce as a nice wide receiver too or a flex option in this offense before. And so I don't think that uh, that could be very different for Justin Jefferson. I do think it's going to be up and down. I don't think it will be as consistent. Um, well, in that case, Diggs wasn't that consistent either. So I think you're okay. Um but in this game, I would look at him more as a flex option. I think that you would probably be more so chasing points if you throw him in there this week. Um, but if you are in a bind, if, you know, A.J. Brown doesn't play and D.J. Chark doesn't play again and you are sitting there saying, what do I do? I think that Justin Jefferson will get you, uh, you know, he'll see seven targets and uh, he could, you know, get 60 to 80 yards. 
Yeah, if you're going to throw that say one... Mary with Justin Jefferson, like this is the game to do it, right? 54 point over under. I feel like against Houston, this could be a spot for him to actually roll on that momentum. I want to make one quick point here. We're talking about Justin Jefferson. We talked about T. Higgins just a minute ago. We're going to be talking a lot of rookie wide receivers moving forward. And I'm just bringing this up because there's a bit of a sea change that's happening. I've been steering away from rookie wide receivers my entire fantasy football career over the last 10 years. Historically, they do not break 1,000 yards very often. But we're seeing right now true reliance on these rookie wide receivers, whether it's Justin Jefferson in Minnesota or it's Ruggs and Edwards over there in Las Vegas. Now it's T. Higgins in Cincinnati. These players are not just coming into the teams and learning how it goes. They're producing in the first half of the season. And I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's a fluke. And so this Justin Jefferson, should you keep these guys in? I think we're looking at the talent. We're looking at the opportunity um, and we're looking at who he's playing alongside. And I'm feeling more confident about starting these types of players than I have in the last 10 years. From Houston's defense, which could be a good matchup for Jefferson to take advantage of, to Houston's offense, Johnny, the Houston Texans have had a brutal opening schedule that is now starting to open up. We, we knew this would happen. We, we thought when, when they were playing these first three teams, what is their identity? What's going on? But they did seem to open it up a bit against Pittsburgh, and I do have confidence that they'll do so against uh, the Minnesota Vikings here just because of the way the Vikings have been attacked through the air. Are you having the same kind of confidence this week with the Houston offense? Yeah, I'm firing up Deshaun Watson. I think that right now is a great time to buy low on Deshaun Watson. Uh, they had a, f- a really difficult beginning of the schedule, but then you look at their next four games. You got Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay, and Jacksonville again. And so none of those secondaries really scare you. They've been giving up a lot. Uh, and then you also look at like Deshaun Watson is the fourth most, uh, fourth highest, highest quarterback pressured through the first three games, which isn't a surprise considering who they played, right? Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, some of the th- uh, best defenses that we've seen so far through three weeks. So I do think that there's a huge opportunity for Deshaun Watson, and I'm firing him up in this game. Of course, anytime Minnesota is on the schedule, you're firing up that quarterback. Um, and then uh, I also like David Johnson in this game to kind of he had a real nice, uh, you know, cutback for a touchdown last week. He hasn't been overly producing for fantasy owners. Uh, so I actually think he might be a potential buy low because people aren't. Uh, super excited about him but he you'll start to see him start to improve as their schedule opens up yeah you look at this or this rush defense uh for the minnesota vikings and they've actually been gassed just about as much as their pass defense if not more 31 ranked against the run so you like what you see for david johnson uh when we look at the wide receivers johnny we've seen a disappearing act in one week from will fuller in week two and then he gets a nice fade in the end zone actually does what he's supposed to do and is the wide receiver one for Houston. Are you confident with Fuller going forward? And do you see a path for success with any other pass catchers here? Shockingly, I don't even know if Will Fuller is the wide receiver one there. Uh, You look at the target distribution there, and through uh, so far, you have Will Fuller getting 18% uh, target market share. You also have Brandon Cooks getting 18% market share there. And then Randall Cobb all of a sudden getting 14%. So it seems to be, you know, Deshaun Watson is truly spreading the ball around, uh, which kind of fits the bill for Bill uh, Bill O'Brien. That's what he wanted. He wanted a bunch of speedster that could generate yards after the catch. Uh, and that seems to be uh, what he has. 
uh, so far. But I have the most confident in I am the most confident in Will Fuller. Uh, he is all we've always seen that connection between him and Watson. And I just think that, it, you know, they're starting to get warmed up. You know, Will Fuller's still learning how to be the wide receiver one there. Um, but I don't mind flexing uh, Brandon Cooks and Fuller in this match. And if you need in a deeper, you know, 14, 16 teamer, uh, it, Randall Cobb, if you want to throw him in there because Minnesota's defense is just that bad. So, I mean, you have told Whisper Nation to kind of hold on Brandon Cooks. Uh, he did not get it done last week, was overthrown on a touchdown. How are you feeling about Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb? I love him. Um, going back to Johnny's point, he made a great point. I mean, Will Fuller, he came out week one. We we're like, oh, my God, he's going to get all of DeAndre Hopkins market share. And then after that, it's like, oh, my God, Will Fuller disappeared. Zero targets. Um, I think, you know, it's getting easier to predict which wide receivers are about to have big games just based on, you know, the amount of pressure that Deshaun Watson's going to face. Like against Minnesota, he's going to have all day to throw it. And I really do feel like those longer developing routes like Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, even Kenny Stills, to be honest with you, could break off a big player or two in this game. Randall Cobb is really that slot option that they've been looking to fill for the last couple of years. They tried with Kiki QT. They tried with a couple other guys back there. Uh, they also had uh, Vincent Smith and they had uh, no, not Vincent Smith. They had a. Uh, um, I forgot. I forgot who else it was, but they tried with a couple of guys and Randall Cobb, you know, he's. The chemistry is kind of gelling between him and Deshaun Watson now, and I think he's his kind of get-out-of-jail-free card if there's a lot of pressure coming. So, you know, in pressure in high-pressure matchups like that, I would definitely look at starting Randall Cobb. But in matchups like this, with no pass rush, I mean, give me all the, the deep threats in this offense. I like how you broke it down there, giving the perspective. If there's a lot of pressure, you go with the slot options. Maybe David Johnson gets a bump in receiving. If there's yep. not pressure, you're going with the deep stretching routes. I think that's a beautiful thing to lay out for Whisper Nation. So when you look at this one, fire up those deep threats. Uh, going to our next game here, we have the Miami Dolphins hosting the Seattle Seahawks in a massive 54-and-a-half point over-under. You've got Seattle favored by just under a touchdown at 6-and-a-half. Austin, when we look at this game, there's that Seattle offense is something to be behold right now. What are you looking at when you see the Seahawks? The thing I'm looking at the most, aside from the obvious – just impressed, just sheer enjoyment of watching Russell Wilson play football right now and connecting with his two receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's, it's really fun to watch. That's obvious. The questions that come into this week is the running game. What's going to happen right now with Chris Carson, who's dealing with a knee sprain? Um, how is Kyler, Carlos Hyde going to come in there and take and fill those reps along with any of the other halfbacks that we might see so i expect nothing to shift course in terms of the aerial assault the ground game though is going to be different than what we've seen in the first three weeks what do yeah, you I like think how you though on this down. one yeah no i like how you broke that down there because obviously they're letting russ cook i mean this guy rolls out of bed with four touchdowns you we understand that uh you're moving on there but i think it really does become a question with the chris carson injury we saw this nasty injury he avoided disaster here. He's only going to miss one to two weeks per Adam Schefter. And then Carlos Hyde is a guy I wrote about as the top waiver ad this week. And it's, yes, it is a rental. I get that. But this is one of the best matchups. And then they get Minnesota next week. So you're going to have two spots you could potentially just be flexing or even RB2ing, if that's a word, uh, Carlos Hyde here. And I know it's not sexy, but Carson saw a red zone target in every game. And the goal line back in this offense, you, you're going to want to have a piece of. I mean, you look at Miami, they've given up a rushing touchdown in every game this year so far. 
for God's sakes, guys, Sony Michelle scored on them in week one. So you like what you're seeing about what Miami does to the running back position because, yes, this game is a high over-under, but Seattle's still favored by a lot. So they could grind this game out at the end if they really needed to, and Carlos Hyde could stumble into a touchdown for you. Look, the wide receiving core, though, we know what we're getting with there. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, there's volume with Tyler Lockett, and he's still seeing deep balls as well. And then there's DK Metcalf, who's just the explosion in this offense. I mean, tied with Ridley for the most deep ball receptions in five and has the most deep receiving yards in the league with 220. You've got to be so stoked on DK Metcalf. Greg Olson is a one that becomes a popular uh, maybe streamer, especially if, if Dallas Goddard was out. But, he, you know, he leads this team in targets from the tight end with 12. But Disley and Hollister have both been involved. And it's going to be hard for me to project each week if you can trust him. He's only got 12% market share. You've got those other tight ends working in. I'm just not comfortable. I'd rather go with a more explosive Mo Cox or even, you know, a Drew Sample or something like that uh, over a Greg Olson because I just don't see the, the snaps and market share leaning his way. Hey, one quick thing I just want to add on here because I know, like, yeah. when I was first starting out in fantasy um, – and I, I learned very quick, like, hey, if a team is favored by a lot, you want to start up that running game, right? Like like you alluded to with Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson. And, you know, initially, like, I, I see a lot of people, like, fretting starting the wide receivers because it's like, oh, they're going to be up a lot. There's going to be running. The game script's going to be in the run game's favor. That's how they're going to be up a lot. Exactly. So I want to point that out to our listeners, to Whisper Nation here. I mean the way that they get up a lot is by throwing the ball, right? Like that's how they're Absolutely. going to get up and Russ has been cooking. So don't be afraid to start Tyler Lockett, who's in a smash spot this week, as well as DK Metcalf. You know, they're going to get up big using these two guys. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually think that... Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, you're assuming you can start those guys going forward. Once again, rolling out of bed, Russell Wilson with four TDs, that's usually two to DK and two to Tyler. No, I'm just kidding. But that's how Tyler it could plays. end up any given week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, the other side of the ball is the Miami Dolphins here. And, you know, we've seen this situation play out. But, Austin, when you look at that offense, what are some of the biggest questions you've got going on there? The questions for me, there's not a ton of questions right now. It really is if I start Gaskins or not. Do I start Miles Gaskin, who is getting the most touches, but he's really been allergic to the red zone work? Jordan Howard's dominating that and that alone. Um, so my question marks would really come just from the running back position. And heck, if I needed to stream a quarterback, would Ryan Fitzpatrick be somebody that I could start in this matchup and, and feel all right about it? And honestly, given their uh, pass defense in my in Seattle at the 19th uh, in the league, I would feel okay about rolling Ryan Fitzpatrick out given Devontae Parker is going to be the most healthy he's been all season. We saw Devontae Parker finish out last year um, as a wide receiver one, and he's been dealing with a hamstring injury to start the year. He got that back in training camp. It hasn't kept him off the field minus that second half week one against the Pats, um, but he was still playing all right, and he's been dominating the market share. Uh, Preston Williams has not been bad at all coming in as a second-year player, and then the most exciting player over here, Mike Gusecki. I love talking about him on this show. It's a cheat code, as we call it. He lines up in the snap, or excuse me, in the slot all of the time. Uh, caught a touchdown pass last week. I think he's going to ca catch a lot of touchdown passes this season. And Miami is a sneaky, exciting team to me. Yeah, I think this. if there's ever going to be a must start for Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is probably it. He's got back-to-back -back multiple touchdown games, so he's feeling good. You saw him look good with that chest hair out after the, the win against uh, Jacksonville. Only Atlanta's given up more points to the QB on the season. 
Uh, and they've Seattle's given up 28.7 to the QB per game. You love that. Now, Devontae Parker, you mentioned, I think he's a must start here in this situation. No team's allowed more points to the wide receiver than Seattle. Miami has a no doubt number one wide receiver right now, and that's Devontae Parker. He's got 19% of the target market share. So I think the question for the passing game comes at Preston Williams, but I'm even comfortable going with him because Miami's going to need to pass to get a, to get uh, to keep up in this game. And we just saw Michael Gallup explode, who was a number two wide receiver, maybe even a number three wide receiver uh, for Dallas against the Seattle passing attack. The question, the biggest question for me is Miles Gaskin. And I know you're going to want to start Gaskin. His production has been hard to ignore. He averages five receptions per game. He averages 81 scrimmage yards per game. But this Seattle team is actually a serious, serious pass funnel. And not only that, like they're the number one ranked rush defense because everybody has to throw on them, right? So they're they're funneling to the passing uh, defense. But then you see that all the goal line work goes to Jordan Howard here. So there's really not a lot of money touches for Gaskin in that red zone or goal line because they're going to Jordan Howard in some maddening split that Miami keeps doing here. So I would fade Miles Gaskin here. That's my personal take on that just because of the way this sets up. Mike Gusecki, though, leads the team, the team in market share with 21%. He, is, he runs 78% of his routes from the slot, and he's essentially a wide receiver for this team because of the athleticism. Jamal Adams left that game last week for Seattle with a groin injury, and so you really like what Gusecki's going to be lined up against some linebackers here in this game and getting those mismatches. So I, I like Gusecki. I like the pass-catching options, and I love Fitzpatrick as probably a stream of the week here. If we move on to the next game, we've got another game that is under COVID watch here. We're going to see if this game happens, if it happens on Monday night, if they move the game or flex it in any way. It is the Tennessee Titans hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a 47-point over-under, and you've got Pittsburgh barely favored by one and a half here. If I look at this situation, I, I see teams here, Johnny, in Pittsburgh that seems to be rounding into form, getting a little bit better each week, putting weapons out there. What are you seeing out of Pittsburgh? Man, they're they're starting to look like the old Pittsburgh Steelers uh, of a few years ago. Um, definitely like what you're seeing from Ben Roethlisberger and this offense. Uh, there are some questions, you know. Uh, you know, James Conner is, is seems to be the guy it's it's his job as long as he's healthy uh it seems to be his but there is some uh noise rumbling behind him as well and uh it will be interesting to see if Deontay Johnson can go this weekend he got a concussion in last week's game came out in the first quarter and uh it, so if he can get back on the field uh you know I I would presume he's a must start if he can get back on the field uh but if not Claypool and Washington become interesting. So I want to ask Summy where where does he think that this would go uh, if you know one for the running back if you want to try to handcuff your running back with James Conner and two uh, if Deontay doesn't give it a go who are you willing to throw out there if anybody as that other wide receiver? Yeah, I think uh, Anthony McFarlane is definitely very interesting. Showed uh, you know a couple couple of his. Um, talents i guess you could say last week with some explosive runs you know six for 42 uh benny snell just hasn't looked good he's made some errors so i think anthony mcfarland if you're the connor owner scoop him up scoop him up and uh if deontay sits like if he's still in the concussion protocol if this game is played as intended as expected on sunday um at 1 p.m 
I mean, listen, if Deontay can't go, Chase Claypool, he led all wide receivers in snaps and routes run last week. So Chase Claypool is just trending up. I think he's like third in terms of like yards per route run amongst all wide receivers and or something like that. And he's just shown his efficiency. So definitely fire up Chase Claypool. And I would re- recommend picking him up. But uh, I'm going to spin this back over um, over to uh, Austin over here. Austin, can you tell us a little bit more about like some of these pass catchers? Like, what do you feel about Big Ben? What are you feeling about the other side of the ball? I think Big Ben's figuring it out, and I'm echoing a lot of the points that Travis has made about that Tommy John arm right now being stronger than it was before, and his overthrows on his deep ball will accredit to that increase in strength. Um, so. And maybe just a little bit of rust coming back, but I think that a strong arm and an experienced QB like Ben Roethlisberger indicates he's going to get it figured out here sooner than later. I love the combination of weapons that this Pittsburgh Steeler team has. Uh, we mentioned a lot of wide receivers, right? We've obviously got Juju and Deontay Johns. We've got Claypool in Washington. Claypool gives me a little bit of a pause given his performance last week, just one for four uh, on 24 yards for, for week three. That doesn't get me super stoked, but if Deontay Johnson is out with that concussion, uh, definitely more appeal over on that side. Um, Eric Ebron, 12 targets in the last two weeks he is a weapon he's not being overly utilized nobody on this team is really being overly utilized and i think that's a good balance from the pittsburgh team Um, and big ben's going to have room to keep getting better Um, we're looking at him right now uh, number 10 pass blocking efficiency for the pittsburgh steelers he's the number 16 clean pocket throwing quarterback Right now, he's just two for 10 on his deep balls. That's the biggest concern right now. He's missing uh, even more than Justin Herbert is missing. But again, I'm going to go ahead and credit that to that crazy strong arm that he's just not used to dealing with at the moment. That's going to get figured out. And his rapport with his wide receivers is going to continue to gel. And um, it's it's tough for me to say which halfback is, is over McFarlane or Snell. McFarlane played better last week going six for 42 versus seven attempts or just 11 yards from Benny Snell. But we did see what Benny Snell did in week one when Connor was relegated to the sidelines and he beasted out. So it'd be tough for me to say which is the backup. Good thing we don't have to say that because right now we know that it is James Connor. You got to earn your job Looks every like, week. That was week one, you know? Yeah, like- yeah. I think I think that's the case, right? And then he put the ball on the ground the following week. Yeah. So you don't like that out of Benny Snell. Um, so I, I like what you said there, Sammy, about picking up McFarland if you have stake in James Connor. We know we're starting James Connor. We know we're starting Juju. And you're most likely starting Ben, although he's been on the borderline of a startable QB. This should be an okay matchup. I think to, to Johnny and Sammy's point, if Deontay can't go, you're starting Claypool over Washington. But if Deontay goes, it's Juju and Deontay for me here. And I think that's kind of where it's at. Do we have trust in Eric Ebron? I know he got a touchdown last week, but do we trust him in any kind of streaming capacity this week? I do. I think uh, – I think. Gross. I think just uh, if you if you watch on the field, I think the chemistry between him and Ben it's growing week in week out. Uh, last week was his first touchdown, and we saw what he did in Indianapolis. And I'm super excited about Eric Ebron's touchdown upside as like a boom bust option as t- a tight end. Listen, I know there's a lot of breakout tight ends this year, but if you're if you're a Goddard owner, or if you're you know if you're just in a, a tough pickle. Eric Ebron, you can do a lot worse. You know, you can pick up a Greg Olson. I think that's worse. That's a worse option than Eric Ebron. So if he's on your waiver and you need to start him, you can. The Tennessee Titans might find themselves in a tough pickle as they have tested positive for many coronavirus uh, or tested positive on a few coronavirus cases within their organization. When I look at this top level view, we've got 
Ryan Tannehill hit and miss at the quarterback position. We've got Derrick Henry getting into the end zone finally last week, and, and his GMs can finally kind of exhale in this one. And when will we see A.J. Brown? So, Austin, when I look at this Tennessee Titans team, like, you got to help me make some sense of what's going on with this squad here. Derrick Henry is going to be force fed all season long. His carries have been like 1990s football type of carries. We're looking, uh, you know, 20, 25, 30 types of carries. It's, it's crazy. It's um, something I didn't think we were ever going to see again in the NFL, to be honest. And Derrick Henry is a different type of player and he's getting different types of looks. Um, Ryan Tannehill is the number 13 quarterback on the year. He's got 809 touchdowns, uh, or 809, touchdowns, 809 yards. Whoa, excuse oh, my me. God. Uh, Russell Wilson, step aside. Here comes Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Pretty efficient on his deep ball, speaking of. Five of six on his deep ball attempts. He's the number 11 in the clean pocket. Um Ryan Tannehill is producing pretty well for the Tennessee Titans. It's a well-rounded team. Corey Davis is going to be filling in while A.J. Brown's bone bruise continues to keep him on the sidelines. A.J., excuse me, Corey Davis isn't doing bad work. Uh, last week, two red zone targets. He was five for six, 69 yards um, for the former number five overall pick. Adam Humphreys is going to be getting a bump up as A.J. Brown is going to be still out. The real beneficiary here, though, is Jonu Smith, who maintains his top-level tight end status going into week four. He's the number two tight end on the year. Last week, five of eight for 61 yards, um, 13 targets over the last two weeks. I don't see that slowing down. And if the we know the Pittsburgh Steelers are a really mean defense. If there's a susceptible area to hit them, it's going to be through the air. They rank number 23 in pass defense compared to the number two overall rush defense. Um, so I'm feeling okay about my pass catching options for Tennessee, considering I expect the Titans to be down and having to play catch up. You're still not benching Derrick Henry. So it doesn't really matter from your running back perspective. I feel decent, even going up against Pittsburgh with your pass catchers. One thing I just want to add I like here. That. I just wanted to add, I mean, with a COVID scare, uh, we don't know the players that were affected, right? So it could be any one of these guys. It could be all these guys. Like we don't know. Um, but the team's going to have to add those players to the COVID injured reserve list. So definitely keep your eye out for that. You know, if it's a Derrick Henry, like Darrington Evans, like pick him up, right? Like um, some of these guys, like you're well, going to contact wanna... tracing will be important too, right? So we'll have to understand if Derrick Henry was around Darrington Evans, because they're in the same position group and he gets marked on the list. We may have a situation where Darrington Evans ends up on the list too. So we'll just see how both of these teams, right. Tennessee and Minnesota, have their position groups lined up, which positions were affected. So just do us all a favor, and these both of these games are, are slated for Sunday, and look at your lineup. By then you should know. Look at your lineup. Just do that skim down and say, does, do I have a Tennessee player? Do I have a Minnesota player? What's going on with them? I need to check on them. And I love that you brought that up, Sammy, because it's going to be a big part of this weekend's games, no matter what happens uh, with what's going on. So you'll want to check that out. All right, that wraps it up for this week's matchups here. That was the week four part one matchups. As always, if you want to follow us on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, you can search the Fantasy Whispers there. And we will uh, be back with you for part two of the week four matchups. So for Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Summy, for Austin, I am Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers. Peace. 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 Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.